Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Yeah. Fine and dandy. Lots going on. Well, want to follow up on there's a little war going on. Some yeah. people think it's the end of the world. Could uh, be. I yeah. think it's serious. I think it's bad, and nobody knows exactly what it'll lead to. Uh, but um, I don't. I, don't I, I think there's been wars before. <laughs> you know, they, they've been there as long as I guess human mankind yeah. have been t talking about it. But anyway, it, it's not a good thing because we did have a period of time. It, it was sort of, sort of disappointing to us because we believe that uh, war, for the most part, uh, and very often, can be prevented with a, a little bit of common sense. But there's not much common sense out there. Yeah. There just seems like the greedy warmongers and uh, weapons manufacturers and all, all the people who uh, think about power political power and wealth uh, seem to be able to control things and of course getting involved in where you have to get the people to go along so they have to get some support even though the instinct for the people we've discovered over the years is especially at the beginning the people are against the war I mean we just just think how many people were opposed to World War one you know yet they they still still got into war and uh, there wasn't even a chance for people to decide whether or not we were going to go to war and lose 50 thousand people in Korea, but we ended up going into war. But I think the instincts, uh, when it's offered, and uh, people could just get this sense that uh, that it's, it's not the end of the world. If you don't get in war, in a, you're more likely to see the end of the end of the world by getting involved in these wars. Yeah. And so that's where it's lead. But uh, on the report this week, as well as what we want to talk about today, is just the um, the, the uh, relative uh, strength of NATO in all of this. Yeah. Because there was a time when uh, I think the, the so-called establishment, the intellectuals, weren't really arguing and sort of agreed with the idea that, you know, NATO could be a problem. Of course, we've been warned about NATO from the very beginning. Uh, Taft warned us against that. Yeah. And, and it, you didn't have to be a conspirator to say, watch out, uh, NATO's uh, not our friend. But all of a sudden, though, uh, you, you, you know, uh, NATO, um, NATO's the, 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 the person to protect because it's, uh, it's Putin has caused all the trouble. Yeah. He's, uh, he's not my Sunday school teacher. Yeah. And, and there, there is a problem. But, and what we try, have tried to do is point out the facts. But I tried to do that with... Uh, uh, with the wars in the Middle East, trying to show, well, no, I'm not for the terrorists. Yeah. I'm trying to get our people to understand why the terrorists might have a motivation. Because, you know, I kept saying to myself, anytime there's a war, a murder, you know, that's uh, reported, so and so was murdered on the street, but we're looking into the motivation. Yeah. Motivation. But in foreign policy, Matter of fact, they don't want to hear the motivation yeah. because it might be a reflection. That certainly was the case with the 9-11 thing because uh, uh, it, it wasn't, we weren't attacked because we were rich and, and free. Yeah. And, and that's the same way here. What, what, what is the motivation? Right now, um, the, the, they, don't, they don't want to talk about NATO from the very beginning. And we will talk a little bit more about that, but also did the report this week on this. And uh, that is that, uh, you know, NATO has been around for a long time, but from the very beginning, 
you know, uh, since 49 on, uh, NATO has had a, a big role to play in militarism, yeah. you know, and there's various reasons for that. I think that uh, uh, they, they may send troops and pretend they're supportive, but it's also, I think, a cover for the people who want to commit commit the crimes but anyway they right right now it, it's a mess and a lot of people and the 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 uh, anger now against Russia is out of proportion uh, to what it should be not so much that uh, all of a sudden they're good people and uh, they're angels as much as maybe there's a motivation yeah. and that's what we'd like to talk about because uh, the the motivation uh, has been that uh, our, our our government and our country and so many people have not recognized the fact that NATO is not a friend to liberty and it's not a friend to honesty. Yeah. It's the honesty that really causes the problem because they have deceived. And uh, I do believe that uh, in, even with the reservations that uh, the Russians have been deceived by the by the West, yeah. you know, and, and they've been led to believe uh, certain things that uh, weren't true. Well, you know, it's disappointing to see it happen all over again. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. But I remember the Giuliani moment, you know, when you said, well, they attacked us because we were over there bombing them, bombing them for years and years. Oh, so you hate America. You know? <laughs> so you're with the terrorists. No, it's this idea that by trying to understand the situation, somehow you're siding with the enemy and you have to oppose the enemy. It's a bumper sticker thing. So trying to understand why the Russian president may have done what he did in seeing what it's all about, that means that you're supporting him because the narrative, and it was true, remember with Saddam, with Gaddafi, with, uh, with Kim, it was always, he's a madman. Don't try to understand him. If you're trying to understand what's happening, then you're sympathizing, you're supporting him. Why are you Putin's puppet? So the one thing that we want to focus a little bit on is what he said, is, is what he said and what's been happening uh, certainly since the end of the Cold War, which is NATO expansion was something, was, a, was certainly to his borders, to, to Russia's border, was a red line. He didn't want to have that happen. As, as Colonel McGregor said, and I'll talk about him a little bit later, it's the same thing how we felt when Russians, when the Soviets put missiles in Cuba. That's a red line. We can't have it. It's not going to happen. So fortunately, back then, Kennedy made a deal uh, to pull our missiles out of Turkey, and the Soviets pulled their missiles off of Cuba. Unfortunately, it didn't happen this time because we don't have cooler heads. We have bumper stickers. But we want to talk a little bit about a great article written by Caitlin Johnstone. She spoke at one of our conferences and put on that first clip so people can look for it. She's on Medium, so just look for Caitlin Johnstone. Uh, and she makes this great point. Experts warned for years that NATO expansion would lead to this. And she's not sympathizing with the terrorists or with Putin or anything. She's pointing out people like the late uh, Professor Stephen Cohen, who we had on our show before, brilliant, brilliant scholar, sadly passed away. For years and years, they've been saying NATO expansion is a problem and it doesn't give us anything. And here's a couple of quotes from her article from people that are very, very prominent, uh, including a surprise uh, guest appearance. Here's the first one. George Kennan, you mentioned him the other day, Dr. Paul. Here's what he said to the U.S. Senate back in 1998 when they were first talking about NATO expansion. He said, I think this is the beginning of a new Cold War. I think the Russians will gradually react quite adversely and it will affect their policies. I think it is a tragic mistake. There's no reason for this whatsoever. No one was threatening anybody else. This expansion would make the founding fathers of this country turn over in their graves. Of course there's going to be a bad reaction from Russia. 
And then the NATO expanders will say that we always told you that's just how the Russians are, but it's just wrong. George Kennan, the father of containment, one of the great real politic thinkers. The next one is actually surprising, uh, not as surprising as the one after, well, not surprising. The next one is our current CIA director. If we put that next clip on, please. I just want to get through these really quick before I send it. William Burns, who was considered uh, one of the rare experts in government. Here's a 2008 memo he sent to then Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. So this is our current CIA director. Ukrainian entry into NATO is the brightest of all red lines for the Russian elite, not just Putin. In more than two and a half years of conversations with key Russian players, from knuckle-draggers in the dark recesses of the Kremlin to Putin's sharpest liberal critics, I have yet to find anyone who views NATO, uh, Ukraine and NATO as anything other than a direct challenge to Russian interests. That's, that's just a red flag. And the next one is from the same year, Dr. Paul, and it's in your column today. This is Dr. Paul on the House floor opposing the 2008 Bucharest uh, statement uh, that would allow NATO to accept Georgia and, and Ukraine into, and this is what you said. NATO is an organization whose purpose has ended with the end of its Warsaw Pact adversary. Current round of NATO expansion is a political reward to governments in Georgia and Ukraine that came to power as a result of U.S.-supported revolutions, the so-called Orange Revolution and Rose Revolution. And here's the, the key sentence you said back then. Providing U.S. military guarantees to Ukraine and Georgia can only further strain our military. This NATO expansion may well involve the U.S. military in conflicts unrelated to our national interest. You know, in what, what you've just gone over, to, to me the big issue is the Warsaw Pact. Yeah. Was dissipated. Yeah. And uh, and I have some personal memories. We all do and we all read the history. But but, you know, uh, I, I can't forget the fact that it affected my life. <laughs> you know, in the, in the 60s were pretty wild. And uh, of course, uh, a minor event that I had to rearrange my medical training, uh, you know, and and drafted back when we had the draft. And, uh, and yet. Yet the sequence wasn't following common sense, and there were those individuals recognizing it back then because the war had ended. The Warsaw Pact was dissipating. They weren't the enemy. We didn't have a NATO, uh, but all of a sudden we had to have a NATO, and it it, uh, it it didn't turn out was really for peace because the very first thing they did, they participated in the Korean War. I, you know, I think even even you might have been as surprised as I was that, that all of a sudden, the first thing they did was militarily was involved in the Korean War. And here we thought, wasn't this North Atlantic? Yeah. Where, where wasn't the Europeans? And, it's on the label. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but anyway, they did. So uh, it was. It's almost like those in charge, the deep state, the military-industrial complex, was fearful of losing a market. But that's constant. That's what we're talking about all the time, and it just f supports our argument that the corporations in comply in in combination with our governments, that combination is lethal, and it continues. But it certainly was very clear cut there where the opportunity, I remember 1990, 91, boy, yeah. the Berlin Wall coming down. I thought this was, uh, I thought it was the best political event of the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't argue with somebody who disagreed with me, but I still thought it was great because, you, you know, there was a lot of fear at the time and uh, nuclear weapons.
had been used. Yeah. We knew about that, yeah. and and uh, I realized that our government was not bashful about this. But that that it was. It just seemed like uh, there there was a strategy. Stuff. Oh, don't let the world, don't let the peace break out in the world. Yeah. We have to have we we have to have uh, you, you know something to galvanize people's uh, get, to make sure they're patriotic yeah. and, and willing to go to war. Uh, so the psychology of wars is pr- pretty important, and that is really where the big the big danger is. And now, with so much of whether it's COVID or what, how much control they have on on controlling people's emotions, and yeah. uh, whether it's support for the war on COVID or or the war, uh, uh, you know, in in, uh, in the east, you yeah, know, the far yeah. east. So that's uh, that's a that's a problem that exists, and it. It, I, I think it's so unnecessary, and I always enjoyed it because I would have young people come up to me who were just sort of grasping what liberty was all about, and it delighted me when someone would come up and they would summarize it. Dr. Paul, I think the only thing you're doing is talking common sense. Yeah. <laughs> and and too, I think I think there is a lot of common sense of uh, having a peaceful, non-aggressive foreign policy. Yeah, and we see the downside of that. It's funny when you mention the word COVID. All of a sudden, no one's talking about it. You know, it almost feels like they have to do something new to keep people in fear. We're in transition yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we have a new bogeyman to get excited about. But, you know, the main thing that the, the, the media's favorite pundits will say now, and this is why we kind of chose this as our theme, is that NATO expansion has nothing to do with what's happening in Ukraine. It's just a land grab by a madman. And Michael McFall, who was... Uh, Obama's ambassador to Russia he had to leave because he was so bad, but he's the favorite of the media. He said, Putin's horrific invasion of Ukraine says has nothing to do with NATO expansion. Stop, please. Well, the funny thing is, is that, like it or not, you know, President Putin has said for years, this is a red line. We won't accept it. We won't let it happen. And here I keep pushing and pushing. But the irony is, and Caitlin captures this in her article, NATO member countries had no, no, uh, interest at all in actually allowing Ukraine to join. They were never going to be allowed to join NATO. They were way up there on the corruption thing. Their, their uh, economy is a shambles. They were never going to be accepted, but we still egged them on and egged them on. But the, the media uh, portrayal now, the media sort of uh, gag order on people, you must say certain things, is so intense. And I just got an email from our friend Colonel McGregor this morning. Even someone like Colonel McGregor, who is a West Point graduate, he led the tank advance on Baghdad in the first Gulf War. He knows a little bit about war. Well, he went, he went on Fox, Dr. Paul, and he simply gave his opinion as a military man, which is that, um, as he sees it, Ukraine is going to be done very soon. He talks about some different military movements. A very objective, he didn't say, I love Putin. He didn't come on with the Putin T-shirt. Just objectively, this is what's going to happen. And not only... <laughs> Not only was he, you know, Trey Gowdy, the, the Fox host, looked at him with a blank look, but they actually had to bring a correspondent on after him. And she, she said, she's a great national security correspondent for Fox. She said, I just simply can't allow this to pass. I've got I've to say, you know, I've got to refute him. To refute their own guest was bizarre. Well, you know, I was skeptical at first when, when the colonel, we talked about this too, when the colonel told me, uh, and then he went on TV to talk about it, that when the troops were amassing, he said they are going to go in, and I, I have to admit I was skeptical. I thought he was, he was wrong. Um, I didn't think it was going to happen. 
But now I listen to him a lot more carefully because he was right and he was right exactly with the way he said. So when he says something like this, he should be taken seriously and listened to and considered rather than condemned as some kind of Putin robot. You know, in Washington, I always complain constantly about how there's, uh, you know, the bipartisan goals of Republicans and Democrats uh, com coming together. And there was uh, much more division between the Republican and Democratic TV propaganda yeah. stations. But in this issue, they've been closer than any time yeah. before. They're, they're not, there's not that much difference between the two. But, you know, some of this... Uh, purpose that I see and what's happened, you know, after the war and coming up with NATO and all these things uh, and the UN is to get away um, from the people having much to say about it. Oh, sure. The people are a lot of, no, I was going to say there are a lot of dissent and they were allowed to demonstrate, but it looks like we're not, might not even be allowed to demonstrate anymore. Yeah. So, so they, uh, they make it easier now. So the United Nations, you go to the United Nations and just look how quickly uh, people accept it after fighting two world wars for our freedoms. And then immediately the first thing, first major event was, oh, well, this is a, a directive from the United Nations, so let's see if we can send about 50 or 60,000 kids over there that don't get to come back. And uh, so we go into that war. And, and NATO is the same thing. NATO doesn't uh, have the armies per se, but they have the ammunition and the public relations because, uh, you know, like like uh, Afghanistan. <clears throat> don't you know that that was an Af don't you know that was a, a NATO war? Yeah, you know? yeah and, of course. We got this various countries coming through. Yes, we endorse it. We endorse it. Of course, we probably had to bribe them to say it. They all had to be on the handouts yeah, here. Yeah. And that's why that's why the dollar, one of the reasons the dollar holds up uh, longer than uh, you should suspect, because everybody needs to use the dollars and we're willing to print the dollars yeah. and, and they can get by. But markets will be limited by common sense eventually. And some days I think, boy, how much longer can this go on? Yeah. Well, Libya was also a NATO war, explicitly a NATO war, where the NATO went into a country that did not threaten it whatsoever, took out all the infrastructure, destroyed the country. The country has never recovered for it. So the whole idea of people saying, how dare you go into another country? We don't condone going into another country, but we've kind of done it a lot ourselves. Uh, and I just, you know, just to refresh, uh, the, the, de the, the demand or the issue in Ukraine is simple. Neutrality, which is not a member of the Russian bloc or of NATO bloc. Neutrality for Ukraine and no foreign weapons going into the country. That seems pretty reasonable to me because neither of those things actually threaten the U.S. national interest. We will not be any less safe if, NATO, if uh, Ukraine is neutral. We will not be any less safe if they don't take our weapons. The only people that are less happy than that are the weapons makers. And speaking of that, Dr. Paul, why don't we put on that next clip? Because I know this is going to shock you, uh, but this is uh, Josh Landis tweeted this from the Wall Street Journal. President Biden has asked Congress for $6.4 billion <laughs> in additional funding for Ukraine aid and defense needs. Lots of money is going to go over there. And what's the result of that, Dr. Paul? Well, let's look at the next one. Here's a couple of clips. Uh, Lockheed Martin, look on the 24th. The 25th of February, when the, when the uh, Russian invasion started, look at their stocks through the roof. Let's look at the next one. Raytheon, these are the guys that make all the missiles, and they're making a lot of money too, through the roof. BAE, also weapons manufacturer, look at that next one. 
way up, up, up. It's kind of like, as you said, Dr. Paul, I don't want to steal what you're about to say. It's kind of like how the vaccine, the vaccine, the pharmaceutical companies, as soon as they came up with this vax, yeah, up, up, up. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. So you see who the beneficiaries pretty easily is yeah. people who are making the profits. But what they don't see, they ought to see, is for the average person to know, well, where did money come from? Uh, well, the government did that. The government pays for it. But they don't want to have any money with $30 trillion in debt. So they don't have any money. Oh, well, they can borrow it. No, they can't borrow it anymore. People won't loan us those kind of money. So they have to print the money. So the, the, they, they print the money. And who ends up paying that? Because there is an inflation tax. You have to pay for it, which means you dilute the value of the currency which I was, without going into somebody's wallet and taking, taking their money out. So they have to suffer. <coughs> Who are they? Are they the rich corporations that are suffering from, <laughs> from the devaluation of the currency? No, it's the poor people, the people who lose their jobs. And how many, what percentage of people now are just getting the idea that there's price inflation going on? Yeah. And every day it's going to get worse. So there, there is definitely a cost. Uh, they do, I do want to put, put out one headline because of the neutrality thing yeah. that was mentioned. Because when I saw this article here, it says Ukraine ready to discuss neutrality, as Zelensky says. Uh, and it's good that he said this, but it, there were some relative uh, uh, you know, clauses in yeah. there. But still, it is, it is spoken. I, you know, that would be a wonderful idea, yeah. you know, uh, new, neutrality. It's just too bad that the neutrality of Switzerland is disappearing. Yeah. You know, there was a time gold standard people stay out of the wars. It was just announced they've decided to take, uh, uh, take sides yeah. on NATO's side. So that's too bad. I do want to mention something, and, and I'm, I'm sure you'll probably have a comment, is the, the big issue here for the, for the event we're dealing with is 2014. Yeah. You know, the, the way that coup was carried out, you know, some people, all they have to do is be a, uh, a uh, tourist and you walk by the Capitol and you might be accused of, a, of participating in a coup. But that, this, this was indeed a coup where uh, we participated in it and probably organized it. And we have evidence, clear evidence as it was going on, that they were kicking out somebody who was elected and sympathetic to the Russians. They yeah. probably wanted to get along with the Russians, you know, because there's a lot of Russians in Ukraine. But uh, that, that didn't sit well with, uh, with, uh, with, with the Russians. And you might say a coup... Uh, uh, is an act of aggression. Somebody might say, uh, some libertarian might say, well, this is this aggression, uh, Russia's aggression, what NATO does is not aggression. But I say baloney. I think, I think when they use financial means and sanctions and, and, uh, and participate in coups, those are acts of aggression. Yeah, I was on an interview over the weekend and I was challenged a little bit. They said, well, you know, what if, uh, so who's to tell Ukraine they have to be neutral? What if they want to choose to be a part of NATO or the other places? And I said, well, that's fine, no, that's fine, actually. But every time they elect a leader who wants to be neutral, <laughs> yeah. the U.S. overthrows him. You know, you talked about the Orange Revolution and, the, and 2014. It's the same thing. And it goes back to the Giuliani moment where there's never an attempt, as you started the show by saying, there's never an attempt to look at motive. And also, and I think uh, George Orwell wrote about it, this, every day is a new day. Nobody wants to go back to 2014 and look at the antecedent, look at how it might affect, how it might affect 
what's happened eight years later. <laughs> Do you remember Bill O'Reilly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I brought up, we're not interested in history. <laughs> we're not interested in a history lesson. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think history is important. Yeah. The future is important. The, the current affairs are important. Principles are important. Yeah. But I think that uh, the why history is so important, it has justified doing very dumb things because they have a misinterpret or a total uh, silence on history. Oh, no, we don't know anything about that. That's over and done. Yeah. Yeah. We have to deal with what's going on today. Every day is a new day. Well, here's kind of a sad, I would say a funny chapter, but it's also kind of sad because it does show that you know, we've learned literally nothing. Let's put up this next clip, and I know you'll have some thoughts on this. This is happening all over the country. GOP governors call for retail boycott of Russian products, including vodka. <laughs> and I've seen uh, some video from liquor stores where they're taking all the Russian vodka off the shelf. Kind of reminds us of what happened back in 02. Yeah, well, is all that vodka come from Russia? <laughs> it's not true. Yeah, I know. Most of it doesn't. <laughs> right. But, but they'll still attack vodka. But remember how, the, the, you know, and this, our, our poor our departed friend Walter Jones, before he saw the light and became so anti-war, you know, he's the one who's the, the freedom fries. We're not going to call it French fries because the French won't go into Iraq with us. Those, you know, cowards. <laughs> and that will always sadly be tagged to him, that freedom fries. We make fun of the Freedom Fries. It's happening all over again. Yeah, same, same, same old thing. That's terrible. So uh, do you have uh, another statement to make? Or I, had a, I had a closing video, and I didn't, I didn't mention it to you first, but I know that you're going to appreciate it. Condoleezza Rice, who you remember was I in the Bush her. administration when the U.S. attacked Iraq. She was on one of the news shows today, and the, the key word is really early in this clip, so I'm going to be quiet, and if we could queue up those first 10 seconds... Uh, if you don't mind. <laughs> so what she said, she was asked by the Fox host, so when you invade a sovereign nation, that's a war crime. And she nods her head in agreement. She was in that administration <laughs> that invaded a sovereign nation. This is what happens when you don't look back to history. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, that's my, that's my final statement, Dr. Okay. Paul. Very good. And uh, I know we've talked a lot about this, but we've talked a lot about the... Uh, war against COVID and all the nonsense that went on there. But in all the wars that are being fought, whether they're the domestic type of COVID wars or the hot con war, there's one characteristic. Usually what happens, it costs a lot of money and poor people pay for it. And there's loss of liberty for everybody. And the country is uh, less free. And overall, there's less wealth. There will be some who will accumulate huge amounts of wealth and power. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't last. Uh, Nazi leaders uh, finally had their due. So it doesn't always last forever. But there's always winners and losers so often in war. But uh, for the most part, the people lose. And it's so unnecessary. And the founders knew it and understood it. And that is why they were so adamant that you should not be able to go to war unless the people have a say in it. There has to be a direct uh, election and a vote in the House of Representatives and the Congress to go to war. And we don't do it anymore. I was told it was anachronistic to talk that silliness be, once again. So the Constitution has no meaning. If it has no meaning for that, and what if, and that's a true statement. The evidence shows that. But what if, what if they would go to the extent of saying there should be no rules uh, against counterfeiting money and that you can just print money at will? 
And yet the Constitution still just happens to say that only gold and silver can be used as legal tender. So those couple events means it opens up the door to authoritarianism, doing whatever they want, the welfare warfare state, and along with that, more power to special interest groups. And then you have the military industrial complex, the medical industrial complex, the educational industrial complex, and on and on. And then you wonder why people start fighting among themselves and arguing. Some of the argument is very good. So we're delighted to see some people get standing up and going to, you know, PTA meetings and say enough is enough. Uh, we want uh, we want our liberties back again, and we don't have to be monitored with uh, uh, passports from just going within our own country. So this the Constitution gives us a lot of protection. When I had been asked over the years, well, what would you do? This is such a mess. Where would you start? I said, well, I would just start by trying to educate a generation of individuals to read the Constitution. It's not perfect, but it's pretty darn good. Probably one of the best ever written. And it's been a great country. We've been very wealthy. But at the rate we're going, we're going to undo a lot of what the, a lot of the benefits that we have accumulated over the couple centuries, you know, from, by the fact that our founders understood the principles of liberty. So that's why we happen to have this program. The program is dedicated to promoting peace and prosperity. How can anybody be opposed to that, especially when it's all based on good common sense and morality? I want to thank everybody today for tuning in to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.